All right, we're over in 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings chapter 11. Here we get that Athaliah comes up and usurps the throne. Verse, verse 1, When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. Now, there's a lot of things wrong with this. Athaliah, of course, is the mother of Ahaziah. And there's this note in your, in your bulletin. You will see this about her. She is the daughter of a king. The wife of a king. And the mother of a king. You don't find that combination too often. She is the daughter of a king, the wife of a king, and the mother of a king. Now, I'm not going to go through all this next part with you. If you are curious about this and want to go through, the whoever wrote the Wikipedia entrance for this lady did a fairly decent job if you want to just check it out. There is a case for her being the sister of Ahab and not the daughter. There is a case. The, um, it's just the, the words in the Hebrew... If you're thinking about what she's called the granddaughter of Omri. Yes, but that same word can also mean daughter. So it's that they have they have to interpret it when they're when they're making the translation on some words. They have to interpret what it means. They try not to. They try just to interpret the word, but sometimes they have to interpret what they think it means. And in this particular case, they have to do that. So they interpreted what they thought it meant was granddaughter. I agree with them. The reason I agree with them is Jehoshaphat, for all his his faults, I don't think he married his son to someone who could be his mother. I just don't think he would have done that. I think he would have, if he's going to make this marriage go, he's going to pick someone who's around his age. The daughter of Omri, sister of Ahab, would have been more like a mother figure for him. Whereas the daughter of Ahab would have been more around his age. So I think that's a, a good part of the case right there. But if you ever want to go back there and just see it, it's, there's a little bit more involved to it than what I told you. Just look up on Wikipedia, uh, type in Athaliah, and all that fun stuff will come up and you can spend a little bit of time on it. Now, <clears throat> when she saw that her son was dead, now first off, she was the wife of a king when her husband was king. But he got killed by Jehu. So then the, uh, the the next one steps in here, and that doesn't that doesn't not fare so well. That I'm sorry, the her um, well anyway her, her her husband was killed. Ahaziah was uh, was slain, and so he did, he didn't last very. He only lasted a year. And once she saw that was done, all right, we've we've gone through the son, we've gone through the um, uh, the father, all this sort of stuff. So we, she decides, I'm just going to take this over myself. And she's just going to go ahead and do this. Now, Ahaziah had become king before. He was the youngest of the sons. But when they had come through and in the battle and his father had, uh, had been killed, all the, a lot of the heirs had been destroyed except for the youngest. So that's how he got to the throne then. One of the purposes of Satan's kingdom is to wipe out the seed line. We saw this all through the Old Testament, that the, uh, the seed was polluted with the giants, sons of uh, 
this, uh, the angels coming down to the daughters of men. We had two groups of giants. The first one wiped out by the flood. The second one wiped out by the Israelites going into Canaan. And finally by David. These things were, were wiped those, all those out. But that was when we were trying to pollute the entire earth. Once the promise came to King David, now all Satan has to concentrate on is David's line. If he can wipe out David's line, then he can stop the promise from coming. So now all the attack had gone against the entire world. Then the attack came against the nation of Israel. Then the attack focused on the line of David. So his goal is to take care of the line of David. So when Jehoshaphat goes out and brings in one from the cursed line to come in, he is bringing basically the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. And when given the opportunity, she picks up the bidding of Satan, which is to wipe out the royal line. Now, she did not wipe out all the brothers of Ahaziah. Others did that for her. And when Ahaziah died, she decided to go out and to wipe out all the other heirs. Now, these are her grandchildren. Now, I, I've, you know, we've come into the place of being grandparents ourselves. And you don't realize this until you actually are grandparents. But grandkids are cuter than your own kids. I don't know why that is. I haven't figured it out because I thought our kids were the cutest things on earth. You know, I just loved every minute of them. I, I, I still do. But what is it about grandkids? I don't know. That's just maybe it's because we don't have to deal with any of the bad stuff. It's all good stuff. I, that might just be what it is. But, uh, you know, they're always teasing me because she, whatever she says, I do. And that might be true. <laughs> Probably is true. <laughs> but I, but that's all right. Because she does it so cute. And it's just so much it, it's just it's just so much fun. But here's a grandmother. Now see now I can adjust I can see this from a different point of view. As a grandparent, you're gonna wipe out your grandkids. You are going to have them killed. If you go on the internet and you do a search for this this lady, and after you find the Wikipedia thing, go over to the images. There are some paintings that have been done of this lady. This, this one is sad, but it kind of cracked me up because it's really a, it is a strange painting. It's a strange painting. You got a picture of this, this nice room that she's in. Looks like it's a bedroom. And on the floor is a dead baby. Over here are two dead grandkids, older, older kids, laying on the floor, been, been killed. And she's there at a stool or something like that. She got a real young baby in her, in her arms with a knife ready to, I don't know if she pulled off all the executions herself. She probably had other people who, who did them for her. But still, to be able to do that, this is your, these are your grandkids. Now, I'm going to jump ahead on the story here just to emphasize this point. She misses one. She misses the youngest one. If you are a grandmother, which grandbaby are you closest to? Grandmother. Grandmother, not talking grandfather. Grandmother is generally drawn to youngest ones. Isn't the youngest one? That's the baby. Isn't that the one that gets all the attention? They're the baby. They got to be held. They got to be. 
I'm enjoying my granddaughter the older she gets. The older she gets, the more fun it is for me. When she was little, I, you know, hold her and do stuff. That's all kind of fun. But now that she can respond, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're having some fun now. But my wife, when they're, li- when they're little, they're little babies. Oh, come here. Oh, come here. You know, she, she can't wait to change them. She can't wait to stop them from crying. Can't wait to do all these. I'm thinking you can change them all you want to. It's okay. Go right on ahead. But the, this is a grandmother. She may be evil. She may be nasty. But she's still a mother. She's a grandmother. But this nature has taken over her so much that she has lost touch with her grandchildren to the point that she doesn't even know one was missed. I don't know how you can get to that point. But this is where this lady got to. Does not even know that one was missed. And it's the youngest, the newest born one, because it's when he takes the throne, he is seven years old. They put him in hiding for six years, which means he was around a year old. That's a long enough time to, to, even if you're busy, that's a long enough time to know he was born and he exists and you should have made it by the house and seen him a few times. <laughs> but anyway, this is what the kingdom of Satan does. It gets in and it tries to destroy the, uh, the royal seed. She arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. It does not matter if we got all the descendants. What matters is, did we get all the ones that have a right to the throne? That's all you have to do. That will stop this promise. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, what would that make her? As far as Athaliah is concerned. There's a possibility it could be her daughter, right? More than likely, though, he probably had other wives. So it may not be her daughter. But it may be. We don't know. There's no. I would think that if it was her daughter, something would have been said about it. But that's just supposition on, on my side of, of the thing. But anyway, she saw what was going on. Now, she's a daughter. She's, in no, she's no threat to all this because she is not an heir. The heir must come through the son. She's not a problem. None of the daughters are targeted here. All that was targeted are the sons. That's what we're going after. So she is not a target, but she makes herself one because she goes and she takes Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. Now, if she is not her daughter, then at best she is a half-sister to this guy. But she still feels the need to protect him. And so she goes and gets them. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah, so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. Now why? Let's read this part of it again. She, um, and they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah, so that he was not killed. In where? In the bedroom. So he was hidden with her, where? In the house of the Lord. 
Hmm. Now, understand this about, you know, I couldn't find this anywhere in this passage, but I saw numerous references to this, including one from Dakes. She is the wife of Jehoiada, the priest. And Jehoiada plays a very instrumental role in him. If she is his wife, what is Jehoiada to Joash? Yep, exactly, his uncle. Joash would be the nephew. So there's a little bit of a... Now, he's not directly related. He's related by marriage, but still he, he is, he's related in this way. So they protect him. They hide him, basically, in the house of God. Now, you would think, this is kind of a bad place to hide someone. The house of the Lord. Because, I mean, people are coming and going, right? Except that she has led the people into idolatry, so the house of the Lord is probably being neglected. And more than likely, she ain't going in. (laughs) She's not a follower of God. So this is not a place she's going to go. And if somebody discovers the baby that's there, they just say it's somebody else's that's over here. They don't have to, no one's going to suspect, oh, he looks like he might be a king. It's probably not what's going to be. But they hide him in the house of the Lord for six years. I believe it's because you have to be seven years to be king. Or at least to be king and, and uh, be able to do some things or you know, not, have a, not just sort of be a figurehead king. I think that's why they probably waited until then. <clears throat> so she's the sister of Ahaziah. Now don't get, remember some of these names are copied over a lot. There is Ahaziah, the son of Ahab. Don't get them confused with that one. That's a different Ahaziah. She probably named him after her brother, but um, it's, a, it's not the same one. Because sometimes it can get a little confusing. They have a lot of the same names going on there. But anyway, she sees what's going on, sees that it's wrong, and she takes it upon herself to, I'm going to protect this one, I'm going to save this one, we're going to pull him aside. But as far as we know here at this, fo- this, this point, folks, because of the battle that had gone on in which Ahaziah's brothers were killed, and because of the actions of Athaliah, we are down to one heir of the house, of, of, the, uh, of the lineage of David. One. One person. Who's the most important person in the world right now? <laughs> wow. And they, uh, they hit him. They protected him. In the house of God. I don't know. Besides being a place that she's not going to go a whole lot. I mean, if this is God, this is your plan. If you want to protect him, here he is. He's in your house. <laughs> you, you protect him. Uh, now, Athaliah had a role in the kingdom of Ahaziah as well as... As um, the, when she, uh, with her husband, if you go over to Second Chronicles 22 and verse 1, then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his place for the raiders who came from the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old. That is wrong. He is not 42 years old when he takes the throne. His father died at the age of 40. You cannot have a son who is two years older than you are. <laughs> it just does not work out. No matter what you do with the math, it doesn't work. 
we know from the rest of the passages he was 22 years old when he took the throne. So whether they uh, just copied something wrong in there, I don't know what it was. I heard some explanations of it. Some of them sound a little bit far-fetched. But whatever it is, just know this. He is not 42 years old when he takes the throne. Ahaziah was the youngest of the sons. He was 42 years old when he became king and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. That's the word that could also be translated daughter. I think it's appropriately translated, translated granddaughter. He also walked in the ways of the... One more thing on this. There is a uh, one sm- slight difference on this that you do want to take note of. Omri's house is not cursed. Ahab's is. If she is the sister of Ahab, she is not part of the cursed line. If she is the daughter of Ahab, she is. So there's a big difference in, in, the, in that part of it. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. She was not just sitting on the sidelines. She was actively involved, probably advising her husband, probably, uh, obviously, advising her, her son, telling him things to do, what to do, so forth. Now, Athaliah had missed killing one of her grandchildren. We said the youngest. He was hidden for six years. Makes his age the age of, age of seven. I ask this question, what grandmother forgets about the youngest of the grandchildren? I can't imagine any of them doing that. But anyway, she did. It is said that Athaliah had torn down part of the temple to build the house of Baal. I found a reference to that in some of my looking up of of things in there. You don't find it in the Bible, but there is a reference to it that she torn down part of the temple to build the house of Baal. All right, we're up to verse 4. In the seventh year of Jehoiada, in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of, the, of hundreds and of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's sons. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep watch of the house, lest it be broken into. The two contingents of, of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapon in his hand, and whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. We've got to protect the king. This guy has got to be protected. If you go up on the internet as you're doing for searches for Athaliah, this will come up for you, you will see that there are accusations made that this king is not a real king. That he is a figurehead, that she did kill all the royal heirs, and that there is no evidence that Joash actually is the son of David. I don't believe that for a minute because I know how God protects his line. I know how God protects his word. And I believe everything that is written in the word. So I just throw out all that stuff. But I'm just telling you about it because you probably come upon it if you're looking for some of this other thing. And um, I, I don't keep a belief in my head. I know that this is one of the things that God, God can do. God did do. These are the people back then that are writing about this. And they wrote it as though it was so. 
why would I take the word of someone who's writing today <laughs> over someone who was alive back then? That would be kind of kind of stupid. There's no real reason for this to be be wrong. Where do we leave off at? Verse 8. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada, the priest, commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada, the priest. And the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears, the shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escorts stood every man with his weapon in his hand all around the king from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar in the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. They made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. This is his plan. His plan does not involve that many people. It involves maybe a few hundred, but you are looking at an entire nation that needs to be swayed to believe that this guy is king. You've had a queen usurper for six years who is not of the house of David, who is of the northern tribe, who is of a cursed house, has usurped the throne by killing people who had the, the right to it. This is the one that's there. When she's in charge, she's been in charge for six years. She has not sat idly by. She's a queen. She's taking the place of a king. She is making edicts. She is making proclamations. She is doing things to promote the religion that she believes is right and to stop the religion she believes is wrong. For six years, this has been going on. What have the people been doing? What have the children of Israel done in times past? You're the king. You say we should worship Baal. Okay. We'll go worship Baal. New king comes up. You say we should worship God. Okay. We'll worship God. We worship God for a while. Things go good. New king comes up. He says we should worship Baal. Okay. Let's go worship Baal. (laughs) It amazes me. Not only did the children of Israel do that, but that God can love us when we are that fickle. Now it says there that the captains of hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. How often does that happen? <laughs> they did all that he said to do. That does not happen a whole lot. But uh, it sure happened here. How many times you had people on, on, on your staff and whatever it is and you say some things to be done you come on back and how much of it is done they did it all followed and that was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff he said to do and involved a lot of work you had to do work off duty you had to come off duty and go back to work and they did it all verse 13 you can entitle this part of this thing what does it take to get you into the house of god (laughs) now when athaliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people she came to the people in the temple of the lord she hasn't been in the temple of the Lord probably yet. If she had been, she might have seen that there was a a king being hidden there. But she hadn't stopped in. Now she comes in. Why? Because I heard some noise. Heard some noise. When she heard the noise, now she's coming over. Well, what's noise to one is music to another. Isn't that, isn't that the way it is? You know, I I put my radio on. If you get in my car and... I've been driving around for a while. Most likely, the station is set for a classical music station. That's noise to my wife. She gets in there. Can we put some music on, please? (laughs) I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. 
I like it when Nikolai comes along with me because now we've got two votes. <laughs> two votes for classical music. So I have a Christian station that I can tune on in the, as well. I can put that on there. Um, I don't know. For, for me, most of the time, I'm tolerating the Christian music station. It's easier to tolerate that than some other stuff. But classical music, most of it, not all of it, not all of it, most of it was written by very, very Christian people for church activities. Most of it was. There's a few of them out there. They were a little nutty. Mozart. Mahler. These were, these were, <laughs> okay, they're not all uh, Bach and Beethoven and Brahms and things like that. There were some um, some others there, but I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of handles and a whole lot of folks who just wrote things for God, for that purpose. So, But what's noise to one is music to another. She hears noise. We're going to find out what that noise was here in just a little bit. So now she comes into the house of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to the custom. And the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people in them were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So she heard rejoicing and the blowing of trumpets and heard what? Noise. Noise. You wonder why the world doesn't like worship? They hear noise. We hear, oh, they don't hear that. They hear something else. So Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, treason, treason. What was it when she murdered the royal heirs? What was that? What did, what, did they have a word for that? If you go and you kill the people that are in line for the throne and take the throne instead of them, what is the word for that? That's treason, isn't it? Yeah. And she's calling out, treason, treason. Hmm. Well, let's go back in and take a look at this. And um, just a little bit back here in verse 14. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. How many were? Does this not strike you as funny? That the people who were just following this lady in rebellious worship, Tearing down the house of God, part of the house of God, not all of it, just part of the house of God, to build the house of Baal. They're worshiping Baal. And one day they stand up and they say, We got a new king. He's heir to the line of David. Come on over, let's rejoice. What do they do? They come on over and they rejoice and they blow trumpets. All the people. I put this in your outline. It's not hard to persuade a multitude. It is not hard to persuade a multitude. It's not how many, but who is on your side. Do not ever look at how many are on the side of this one. Look at the who. Who is on that side? She's out there hollering, treason, treason. Loud accusations are usually to cover up the guilt of the accuser. And this happens all the time. You hear people today loudly accusing others of a certain thing and they're the ones that are guilty of it. Time and time and time and time and time again. And still people, when they hear these loud accusations, what do they do? They go after it. They, uh, 
they look into it. Harry Reid, in the election before, you remember he came on out and said Mitt Romney didn't pay his taxes. He, he said it this way. Did you, didn't anybody remember this? I have a friend who told me that Mitt Romney didn't pay his taxes. And so the media says, well, who's this friend? I'm not going to, I don't have to tell you all that sort of stuff. You ask Mitt Romney if he's paid his taxes. So the media, they go on over and they say, did you pay your taxes? Of course I paid my taxes. Why would, well, we want to see, see you prove it. Why do I have to prove that I paid my taxes when he doesn't have to prove anybody said it? That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. And you, you know he was interviewed about this recently, Harry Reid? Anybody heard about that one? And they asked him about it. And they say, what about that? And he said, well, he didn't get elected, did he? You hear the arrogance in that? Well, he didn't get elected, did he? And no problem came for him. This is the guy who got rich being a senator. Now, I know senators make more money than most of us do. But it's still not money that you can get become a multi-million dollar person for. And there's a whole lot of going on with land deals and other stuff that was going on with, with Harry Reid. But what do we do? We accuse others. Folks, if you hear anybody in this political season loudly accusing other people of things, be careful. Be careful. There's two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God. There is the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom, both kingdoms want to grow. The kingdom of God grows by invitation. You are invited to come in. How many are invited? All are invited. Parable that Jesus gave, go out to the highways, find anyone you can and compel them to come in. Tell them, we want you to come in. Please come in. This is a, a meal we have prepared for you. We just want you to come and enjoy the meal. Please, won't you come? They are invited. The kingdom of Satan conceals, conspires, deceives, forces, does anything it can to pull people in. If you want to see who a person is of, look at their methods. Just look at their methods. You even go on all the different issues that we've, we've had going out here it, it, it just Planned Parenthood. Does Planned Parenthood simply invite you? Or do they try to deceive what it is that they're doing? Conceal all the things that are going on in their organization to try and get more people to come along and to have these abortions. And then we find out what it is that they're doing with all that and they try and conceal even that. The people in the, who have Christian beliefs... We don't force anyone. Now, there are some. You can go back in history and you can find some Christian folks who tried to force and compel. And you go back into Jesus' time. There were the Pharisees. There were the Sadducees. Didn't they not try and force and compel? But whose kingdom did Jesus call them to be of? <laughs> he didn't call them of his own. He didn't say they were of his own. They may have had that. They may have worn the uniform. But they weren't playing for the right team. That's, that's, that's not it. This is, this is the kingdom of God. We operate in love and we invite. Here's your invitation. We'd love to have you come along. What's the kingdom of, of Satan do? No, no, no. We're not, we don't invite. We force. We force. You will come along. You just, uh, I've, I've heard this one used over and over again. 
people who eat meat are perfectly content to let you eat anything you want to. People who eat meat are perfectly content to let you eat whatever you want to eat. Vegetables, fish, meat, whatever you want to eat, it's perfectly fine. People who eat vegetables only are generally very concerned about what you eat. And generally want to force upon you what they feel is right. That's wrong. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not operate that way. Jesus invited people to come. If people wanted to leave, what did Jesus do? See you later. If you want to come back, come on. We'll be right here. What did the Pharisees do if people wanted to leave? <laughs> it wasn't quite the same, was it? That's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. It is so easy to see. I don't know why people have a hard time with it. The folks who force and compel are of the wrong kingdom. When our forefathers founded this country, they founded it in such a way to ensure that the federal government did not force its will upon you because they sat under the British government that did that. And they did not want to have that go on. So they set up a way for it not to happen. But when the kingdom of Satan takes over, he is not content to wait for you to see the light of his way. He is going to force and compel. You look at kingdoms in the history of the world that have been under his direction. Nazi Germany, of course, was an easy one. Japan during World War II. Other, other places going further back. It's, they always forced. If you didn't come along, you were thrown into prison camps. You were killed. You, your stuff was taken away. You were marked. That's not the kingdom of God. It's easy to identify the kingdom of God and those that are of it. And it's easy to identify those that are of the wrong kingdom. This lady was of the wrong kingdom and tried to destroy the plan of God. She may not even have been thinking, I'm destroying the plan of God. She's just thinking, I'm going to get what I want. And Satan was able to use her. And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captain of the hundreds, the officer of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her. She went by way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land, how many? All the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. All the people of the land, same people who a week ago were worshiping there. They tore it down. They thoroughly broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars and the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. This is why it's comical when the news media tries to make polls tell the news. Well, we polled some people and we found out that 60% of the people don't think this is a good idea. Really? How did you phrase the question? And since when does what people think mean anything? They could have been educated in the wrong way. You could have 
90% of the people thinking something, and then all of a sudden you come along and you say something in a, in a different direction. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. And they all sway over to here. Because people will move from side to side really fast. They will, they will go. We were, Corey and I were talking about this earlier on. I wish I could remember where this was. It was a Facebook post. It was a wonderful Facebook post. I love this Facebook post. It was talking about the, these answers to questions that just silenced the response. The only one I could think of off the top of my head was I think it was President Reagan who was asked this question. It may have been someone else, but I think it was President Reagan uh, that somehow something was going on over in France and they were they said, uh, or maybe, maybe, I don't know, whoever it was, it was one of our leaders in the United States, and they said to them, we want all Americans out of France. And this, their reply was, okay, do you mean do you mean the live ones or the dead ones too? I mean, what do you say to that? <laughs> I thought that was such a great answer. Whew. That was a... We got a whole lot of dead Americans over there. And, uh, and uh, you know, France and, and America, we got a good relationship. We owe our independence to France. They owe their independence to us. So we did pay it back. And uh, we both had benefited from that relationship. But anyway, don't follow the people. People change quickly. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by way of the gate, the escorts of the king's house. Then he sat on the king, the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced. How many? The same ones who were glad for Athaliah being on the throne? I'm sure not all the people were glad that she was on the throne because she was probably abusive and did some things that not everybody liked, but now all the people are glad. So all the people land rejoiced and the city was quiet. Why was the city quiet? For they had slain Athaliah with a sword in the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. Hmm. So apparently she stirred up some stuff. She made some noise. Things weren't quiet when she was around. People were talking. People were doing stuff. But now it is. So we put this in your outline for you. Don't follow the crowd. Don't do it. Jesus taught it this way. Wide is the way. If you're going to go the wrong way, that way is, is wide. But the way of God is narrow. Narrow. Do not follow the crowd. If a crowd is going one direction, it's probably wrong. I don't always get to watch it, but every Sunday, because I'm here, I tape the pregame show for Fox. Because of all the pregame shows, they're the only ones that are worth listening to. I just, I don't, I don't enjoy the other ones. I enjoy the Fox show. I enjoy all those guys. I like their interactions and stuff. When they get into the soapbox stuff and the, 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 the stories behind the story, I don't care about that. I just fast forward it. Because I recorded it. I can, I can get past all that. But, they get to the part at the end of the show, if you've ever seen it, and they all pick the winner and the loser. And when they come up to a game, and all five people pick the same team to win, they say most of the time, whenever they do that, that team loses. And so it has become such a common thing that whenever they all put their stuff in, they all say, oh, we all agree, we all believe this team will win then, um, uh, oh, who's the uh, Kurt, Kurt Menifee? 
he gets up and he says, well, we know they're probably going to lose today then. Because <laughs> that's the way that he, you know, that's where the crowd's going. If you've got a whole crowd going in a certain direction, it's probably wrong. <laughs> Not very likely to, to be true. Don't follow the crowd. The crowd is too easily persuaded. Look for people who are anchored. Look for the ones that have an anchor down. They will encourage you, not pressure you. The people who don't have the anchor will pressure you. Peer, peers will pressure you. But people who have an anchor, they simply encourage you. This is the way that you, you ought to go. This is the way that has worked for me. This is the way that can help. And if you decide not to do it, what do they let you do? Well, do what you want to do. I'm just telling you what's worked for me. No pressure. Encourage you. Go out there and go in a certain direction. Those are the people you want. You want those that are, that are anchored. They will set an example, not accuse. They're going to set an example. This is the way to go. This is the way to live. This is, this is what you should do. They're not, not accusatory. They're not out there to, to simply accuse. There is one person, wonderful Bible teacher, one, I've learned many things from them, but they have a lifestyle that all the time I've known them, I've never wanted to follow. I, I would say, I don't want to be like that person, but I can learn from that person. I, I learned from them as long as they taught the Bible. So as soon as they got another stuff, I said, well, I don't know about that, but they were a good teacher of the Bible. But this person, when they would get into their personal life, I heard from many folks that had interaction with them and saw some of it firsthand. They were quick to accuse. They, were, they had battles with a lot of people. But still, God gifted them with a great talent to teach. But look for people that are anchored. When the storm rages, they don't get tossed around a whole lot. These are the people that will encourage you, not pressure you. These are the people that will set an example, not accuse. They focus to protect, not spread fear of opposition. The people that follow the crowd or want you to follow the crowd, or try to stir up a crowd to get you to follow it, which is what some people do. It's political circles, whatever kind of circles that you're in, they can do that. They want to spread fear because fear will get people to move in large numbers in a certain direction. And then they will take with them other folks. Just like uh, all the stuff we have with the media and gun control. What we do is we put you in fear that because people can get guns, they're going to come into your place and shoot you. And you just, you just think of it. It does not make logical sense. If they are doing illegal things with their guns, they don't seek out a legal way to get them. They just don't. If they're going to disregard the law with the gun, they're going to disregard the law to get the gun. So the only one that the law is going to affect is the people who follow it. And those are the people who are not going to abuse the gun. But every time something happens with a gun, we get political people, we get media people, we get story writers who want to get up there and talk about, we need to get rid of all the guns. I heard one person even say, other countries don't have this going on. Were you awake when France happened? I don't, I don't understand. They want you to forget everything that happened last week. This, it doesn't make any... But they want to stir up fear. 
They stir up fear for these kind of things. We have people who stir up fear against big oil. How many people? Oh, big oil. Oh, they're bad. Really? really? Big oil. Think about this. How many saw the price of gas when you're coming on down here? One ninety nine in some places in Pennsylvania. I know Jersey is cheaper than that. One ninety nine. It is cheaper to buy a gallon of gasoline that you have to explore, find, drill down into the bottom of the ocean, drill down through rock, pull it up, truck it to a place to get it processed, get it processed, truck it to another place to get it sold, to get it distributed, truck it from there to another spot to get it to your pump, to get and then get it into your car. And it's cheaper to do that than to buy water. Bottled water costs more in the, in the stores than gasoline. And what do you have to do for bottled water? Not a whole lot. There are some places that all they did was filter the water from the spigot, put it in a bottle, put a nice label on it, and, send it and t- charge you a buck or two for the bottle. That's all there is to it. But big oil is your enemy. Big oil is your enemy. Why? Because they're working hard to try and put cheap gas in your cars. And at, at, a, at $2 a gallon, how much of that is the taxes that you have to pay for the roads? How much is big oil actually getting? Then, of course, it will make big coal problem. What's big coal do? Keeps your electricity low. But they're a problem? Big pharmacy. Pharmacy, they're out to kill you. Well, I mean, it's great if you don't have to take any drugs. But if you need the medication, how many are glad that pharmacies are out there and put some of these things together? See, they always want to get you someone else as the enemy. Get you in fear. What's climate change do? I'm in fear that the world's coming to an end. I'm in fear that things are going to happen. Fear motivates people. You get a whole bunch of them going. Everybody gets taken along with the stampede. And everybody stops thinking about what makes sense. That's how we want to do it. The people that are anchored are out to protect, not to stir up fear. And those are the folks that you need to give a high place in your life. God is out to protect us. He's not out to stir up fear. He's not the God of fear. He doesn't, have this, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He calls us under his wings to protect us. And that's what the example we need to follow. Now, how often does Satan get in by those we let in? Athaliah was, was let in by Jehoshaphat into the family. And many of his descendants were killed because of that one move. How many times does Satan get in because of things that we've done? The first, the forerunner to the Antichrist got in because Israel didn't listen to the prophecies. And Israel empowered the king of the north to take over their area instead of being under the king of the south. And the prophecy was fulfilled. Antiochus Epiphanes came and slaughtered many of them. Don't follow the crowd. Get grounded on the word of God. And that anchor will carry you through. Don't be moved by fear. Listen to the Spirit of God. There are many people in our world today. Some are in politics. Some are in the media. Some are in the church. Some are in colleges and universities. And their whole idea is to cause us to doubt the word, 
to doubt our future, to doubt the hope that God has, to cause us to question the Bible, question our beliefs, question how we, we live in this world, question what God has told us to do, and thereby disrupt our anchor. Don't let them do it. It is good to be anchored. It is good to have people in your life that also are anchored. How often was it when we were little and the storm came up and the thunder was loud and the flashes of lightning were, were great and we were afraid and we ran to mom and dad and as long as mom and dad weren't afraid, what do we do? This is good. We're, we're fine. Why? Because they're anchored. They're anchored. We didn't know what may be going on inside of them. They may be afraid too, but they didn't show any of that. They were, they were good. They help us. Have people in your life that are anchored in the Word. And then let yourself become anchored in the Word and become an anchor for other people. But we only get in by invitation. We don't force this on anyone. And if anyone wants to go a different way than God's way, they're free to go. By God and by us. But oh, for those who accept the invitation. Aren't you glad you accepted the invitation? <laughs> Don't we look at the world just a whole lot different than other people do? I thank God that we look at the world so much different than others do. I don't look at this world as my home. This is just a place we're traveling on through. I look forward to the day that Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom on this place. And the kingdoms of men crumble. And they are gone. That's the one we're looking for. Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us, picture that you paint for us. We know that there are those that will rise up like Athaliah, who will disrupt, who will promote the kingdom of Satan. But Father, you have a way to even stop the usurpers. I thank you for the way that you use us. I thank you, Father, for the way that you help us. Your word means everything to us. Your word is our anchor. We take more and more of it in each day. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've heard it said before, but the bigger the ship, the bigger the anchor needs to be. Can't go out with an aircraft carrier with an anchor meant for a sailboat. It won't do any good. The bigger you want to do things for God, the bigger your anchor needs to be.